was the Ensemble Krinitsia with Chornomoritz Idea, a Cossack song about Black Sea Cossacks, and uh, a lot of partying going on there, as you can tell, with uh, romantic interests and uh, lots of shenanigans going on. Vitayu vas sich, Shanovni Radio Suchachi, na Radio Peradachu Nash, Holos Radio Krinsko Hokurinya, Kotrapodiatyvam Nachvali CHLY, Stordeni Sim FM, Umisti Nanaimo. Primikrofoni Pavina. Dobri den and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Pavlina sitting in for Oksana. On today's program, we've got an interview with Olena Skorohod from our Vancouver program. She'll be interviewing the parish priest of the Holy Eucharist Ukrainian Catholic Cathedral uh, for the headquarters for the Eparchy in BC, as well a book review, our usual proverb of the week, and other items of interest, as well as, of course, great Ukrainian music. And coming up next, the Khmelnytsky Police Big Band and a uh, patriotic Ukrainian song, um, Call to War, Zrodelis me velikui hodine. Сердцях у нас Соборна Украина 
Яка є держава, одна на вік, вона в серцях у нас. Ukraine is under deadly attack, and Ukraine War Amps is asking for your help with a tax-deductible donation today. Funds are desperately needed by Ukrainian defenders for bulletproof jackets, helmets, walkie-talkies, food, water and gas, and by civilians, including children, for food, water and medications, and when possible, escape to safety. Please donate today to Ukraine War Amps via PayPal, e-transfer to ukrainewaramps at gmail.com, or visit ukrainewaramps.ca. Засинає чорний ліс, сонечко вже сіло. Тихо-тихо навкруги, спить в країна мила. Не щебече соловей у зеленім гаю, а дівчина край води. Сльози проливає, не щебече солове у зеленім гаю, а дівчина край води сльози проливає, зажурився старий дід, щось бурмоче стиха. Не на коли ж більше дров, не на кої ж лиха, а дівчинонька ота, Україна мати, нема кому боронить, кому визволяти, а дівчинонька ота. Україна мати, нема кому боронить, кому визволяти. Ось Степане, батьку наш, поведи до бою, хай покажемо скалям нашу силу. And that was a song called Zasinaya Chornelis, Our Black Forest Falls Asleep. And that is a song from the UPA era, uh, World War II, and after, uh, at a time when Ukrainians were fighting off Nazis and communists alike. And it is a song that um, is sort of couched in romantic terms, um, a soldier comforting his sweetheart, but uh, that sweetheart is actually... Ukraine, and it's very apropos to what's going on right now. History, unfortunately, repeating itself. And that song was by Sergei Lazanowski and a group called Green Jolly. Now, you may 
if you've been around for a while, uh, be familiar with that name, Green Jolly. It made me tweak a little bit. They've been around for for quite a while, almost 20 years now. Um, 19 years ago, the Orange Revolution was taking place in Ukraine, and Green Jolly uh, came out with a song that became a theme for the Orange Revolution, and it was entered into the Eurovision contest. Didn't do too well there, but it certainly endured for a while uh, as a theme of the Orange Revolution. That song was Razum Nas Bahato, Together We Are Many, We Will Not Be Divided. And it's nice to hear Green Jolly come back with this song, this latest release, Zasinaya Chornilis, Our Black Forest Falls Asleep. Up next, Olena Skorokhod in conversation with Father Mikhailo Ozorovich of the Holy Eucharist Ukrainian Catholic Cathedral in New Westminster. With war in Ukraine, we can see changes in Ukrainian society, like affirmation of nation's identity, Ukrainian language, and also in uh, the religious life. This year, many people decided to celebrate Christmas with the rest of the world on December 24th. What are your thoughts about it? Um, the parish that I serve in and the whole aparchy here in British Columbia, for all Ukrainian Catholics, have always been on the new calendar. So I have never had a choice. Uh, I've, I've uh, wholeheartedly and gladly uh, accepted the new calendar's living year. But at the same time, I knew that my parents and the rest of my uh, family are celebrating Christmas on January 7th. And this kind of, you know, dualistic existence has been kind of for over 130 years uh, since Ukrainians came here and still exists in many other parts of uh, Canada. Um, you know, in Saskatchewan, January 7th used to be a stat holiday because there were so many Ukrainians there celebrating Christmas on the 7th that it was a stat holiday. Still now, there are parishes that live on the old calendar in, you know, cities like Edmonton or, or Toronto. There are parishes who live new and old calendar in the same parish. So you would go to an 8 a.m. service, for example, on the new calendar, and then 10 a.m. service would be on the old calendar. Uh, and so it's a little bit, you know, to the border and schizophrenic. Like, how can you in the morning say, you know, Christ is born, and then you go back to 10.30 and saying, still, glory be to Jesus Christ, and you kind of sing Christmas carols, and you pretend that Christmas is not there. So I've seen those parishes and prayed in those parishes in um, eastern Canada myself. So um, this year showed that uh, uh, we just needed one extra reason to take a look at this calendar question. Not that it hasn't been raised before, uh, but from Ukrainian Catholic perspective, we always kind of leaned on our Orthodox brothers and sisters. We wouldn't uh, make a, a sudden change like that in the calendar, no matter that it's the right one, uh, astrologically and otherwise, uh, but we wanted to have the whole uh, Christian community celebrating on the, on the, same, on the same day. Um, so we would always rely on, on, on their stance on that as because they are the majority of uh, Christians in, in Ukraine. Uh, but this year gave, gave that extra opportunity for them to revisit uh, where they stand on the questions like Calder and many others in, in religious um, sphere. And um, uh, we see that many have chosen to celebrate Christmas on December 25th. I'll give you a good example here. Uh, we had um, a lady who came to one of our uh, services 
and said, well, I'm, I'm an Orthodox Christian. I just came from Ukraine. Uh, I usually go to the Orthodox Church, but my parish in Ukraine has already celebrated Christmas on December 25th for three years. So for me, it does not make sense to go back, as she put it. So there you have a brilliant example of a faithful Orthodox Christian who is so against celebrating on the old calendar because she's done it for three years on the new calendar that she would come to our church for Christmas and theophany uh, services. Um, I observed a sentiment of many Ukrainian Catholics this year in Ukraine who felt wrong in their heart to celebrate on the Sabbath, on the 7th of January. They, uh, and I've never observed that before. This year it was kind of more evident that people have pretended for you know 12 days that Jesus wasn't born and then suddenly they catch up with the rest of Ukraine or with a good portion of Ukraine and with the rest of the world. So I think there's a great sentiment both on the Orthodox side and the Ukrainian Catholic, uh, be it maybe for different reasons, but uh, it's very clear that both of the churches will be moving in the direction of officially changing that uh, in the near future. We know that the Christmas season in Ukraine lasts the whole month of January. Can you tell us more about other religious holidays within this period of time? So Christmas season uh, for, for us in, in the church lasts from December 25th till February 2nd or January 7th till February 15th. Uh, so that's the, the whole Christmas season. It's not the time before Christmas, like we are used here in North America, where you go into the mall in November and you already have a Christmas jingle bell singing. Uh, and then when Christmas is over, suddenly everything disappears. For us, on Christmas Day, it only Christmas Eve, it only begins that Christmas season. And uh, it's marked by uh, three kind of big uh, feasts. Uh, or four, I guess. We'll have Christmas itself, the Nativity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then we have the Feast of uh, Jesus' naming. So on the eighth day after Christmas, Jesus was taken into the temple uh, where he was circumcised uh, according to a Jewish law. And then he was named. He was given the name Jesus, which means God saves. And then we have uh, Theophany, the Jesus of Baptism on uh, the River Jordan on January 6th, according to the new calendar. And then we have the Feast of Presentation of Our Lord on February 2nd. That's when uh, the whole Christmas tide is uh, finished for us in our liturgical calendar. And um, that's, uh, you know, one of the Christmas carols in, in, in Ukraine always talks about the first feast is Christmas. The second one is St. Basil's, which is also the naming of Jesus Christ on and the New Year's on January 1st. And the third feast is uh, Jordan, Lordan, Jesus' baptism and theophany, divine revelation, God showing himself as the most holy trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then we have this beautiful season right now where we bless our homes with the Jordan water, the water that was blessed on the Feast of Theophany, January 6th. Then me, for example, as a pastor, the priest, I get to visit as many parishioners as they invite me to their homes. And uh, that's where I still see Christmas trees present. I still see Christmas lights. And so people try to keep that spirit of Christmas and, and celebration all the way until February 2nd. There are many traditions and customs around uh, Christmas in Ukrainian culture. Do you think there are some that could be developed more here in Canada to promote the Ukrainian culture as a whole? 
Well, I I think the whole shift of celebrating Christmas before Christmas happens is uh, for me is still a little bit strange. I've been here already for ten years, so maybe I should have used to it, but it goes against anything that even we live in the culture. Like we don't celebrate preeminently something. Like we we prepare. It's time of preparation, and then we celebrate for uh, you know as long as we can. Um, and so I think uh, we ourselves need to keep that tradition of celebrating Christmas not forty days before Christmas with jingle bells in the mall, but celebrating Christmas after Christmas Day with our family friends on many occasions. So keeping that festivity alive, uh, inviting friends and and family, and using every weekend to celebrate and, and sing Christmas carols in the broader uh, community. It's very hard. It's very hard. It would be very strange if we had our Christmas market, let's say January 15th. Like People around us wouldn't understand us, so that's why we fall into the how world around us exists and we have Christmas market December 15th, which is wrong by my standards, but so we'll always, as Christians, we'll always be living in this pull between the world and what God wants, uh, and uh, so we are in this world, but out of this world. And uh, always that balance needs to be there. Uh, so Christmas caroling needs to be preserved. You know, during COVID, we even didn't do that on any scale. Uh, before, I remember the young adults uh, group, uh, you know, getting to a few cards and traveling around uh, Vancouver, visiting those who wanted to accept carols. And we spent a good, good day visiting, you know, 12, 15 homes. And there would be, you know, treats and joy in, in every of those houses. So... This year, we kind of reintroduced Vertap, the Christmas play. And, um, you know, hopefully next year we'd be able to, with that with that one or different one, travel to different parishes and, like, keep that celebration going throughout January. I think even how we behave in a sense where, oh, it's, a get, it's just, you know, uh, already January 2nd, so it's back, back to our normal existence. The Feast of Nativity and Theophany are worth celebrating. They're very important events in the salvation history. And if we live them uh, properly, it will give us that joy. It would give us that uh, divine energy and, and life that we need. You know, first days of first few days of January feel pretty tough for many, right? Uh, just celebrate Christmas, New Year's, uh, back to school, back to work. But that's when we have the beautiful feast of Theophany, of Jesus' baptism, of Tim descending into the waters of the River Jordan to sanctify it and the whole creation. And then when we pray these very long prayers over the water that we bless, that water is sanctified to be that water Jordan. For 80% of our body consists of water, right? So then we consume that holy water to give us new life. And then we begin another you know, cycle of celebration. So these religious feasts uh, are, are important for us to uh, celebrate because, you know, we might live in time and we are living in times that we have very little to celebrate in the world around us. You know, war, economic instability, kind of just the end of pandemic and who knows what's coming both, you know, in financially, economically and health-wise for the world right now. And all this negative negativity comes in. Uh, but these feasts, that are there, no matter what's happening, is happening in the world, are precisely for that reason. So we are reminded of of God's reality and Him calling us to that joy of living in His as His children and heirs to the heavenly kingdom, not the kingdom of of this earth that is falling apart now a little bit more than it was before. But you know, it could have been worse. 
could have been better. So we always strive for that heavenly kingdom that will be the best all the time. In summary of this year, 2022, what can you say about the adaptation of um, Ukrainians displaced by war uh, during this time in Vancouver area? In general, I think Ukrainians have proven to be Ukrainians, uh, which means people who can uh, adopt very well, who thrive under the worst of circumstances. And uh, looking in, you know, around myself here in in US and Lower Mainland, I don't see any new homeless Ukrainians on the streets. Uh, I don't see people knocking on the door of the church saying, we don't have anything to eat, we don't have where to live. So there is no worse case scenarios here that happen kind of from what I see. Uh, I, I see the opposite. You know, people have made friends. Uh, people have developed deeper relationship with their host families or the community around them. Just had a meeting with our HR coordinator yesterday. The amazing success of our, of our people, you know, there are Ukrainians who came and have secured job positions that pay well over $75,000 a year without, you know, much effort, you know, all things considered, right? On in a very short period of time, there are plenty of of, of success stories from, uh, you know, getting their first rental to getting their first buying their first car to uh, switching their third job and and still feeling positive about it. About it. Um, so overall, I think people are well uh, adjusted to the life in Lower Mainland. Uh, and those who haven't have left Vancouver area. They have gone either to the island or they've gone to Kelowna, and a good number of them went to Calgary and Edmonton, uh, just seeing kind of more affordable uh, life there. But those who've stayed uh, so far, I'm very proud of them. Uh, and uh, this year, the 2023, will show, because um, it's not only when we kind of uh, survive, when we kind of adapt, but when we become to thrive, is is that's a good indicative. Because uh, the first few months are there for survival, and then the next few months are there to a little bit settle. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm already kind of looking for the spring, both in the you know na- nature around us and the spring of these people of, that have gone through you know heart, harshness of fall and, and, and death of winter, but then new life in the spring. So I, I look forward to seeing how the Ukrainian community and, and in each Ukrainian family in particular begins to thrive and flourish and blossom here in Lower Mainland. And what are your plans for the year of 2023? Well, this would be a conversation on its own because I have many plans. Uh, I, I'm known to be a dreamer and... Uh, uh, you know, I, I try to live by by a phrase of uh, patriarch Enosis uh, who said, uh, uh, desire or strive for greatness. Uh, and magnanimous um, soul, like he says we say, is one of the other elements that, that are important for me. So uh, my plans are anywhere from, uh, you know, going to the gym three times a week to uh, starting a $20 million building project around our church to accepting a new baby into our family to uh, building a parish structure that can assist Ukrainians and others and build up the Ukrainian community on an ongoing basis is to, uh, you know, find more places to live and work for Ukrainians who have come to traveling to the Holy Land to eventually celebrating the victory of Ukraine over Russia and visiting my family in Western Ukraine. Thank you very much, Brother Mihailov. Pleasure is all mine. 
Слухайте наш голос Радіо Українського коріння, котре подається вам на хвилі CHLY 101.7 FM у місті Нанайму. You're listening to наш голос Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo.
Марія свята, ти їх збережи. Мене не жаліє вже на межі. Ти бачила все, тут Бога нема. Тут тільки вогонь і свіжа зола. Моє серце сталь, моя крова зов. Не плач, моя люба, воскреснемо знов. Моє серце сталь, моя крова зов. Не плач, моя люба, воскреснемо знов. У темряві бачу я очі твої. Повір, тут ми всі нестерпно живі. Повір, що я чую молитву твою. За тебе, за неньку, за вас тут стою. Моє серце сталь, моя кров азов. Не плач, моя люба, воскреснемо знов. Моє серце сталь, моя кров азов. Не плач, моя люба, воскреснемо знов. Cossack system and uh, quite a new release. It is called Azovstal, which refers to the steel plant that was defended by the Azov Battalion in Ukraine for quite a long time in Mariupol and unfortunately were massacred by Russian forces. And this song is a tribute to them. If you don't understand Ukrainian, the words of the chorus are, My heart is steel. My blood is Azov. Don't cry, my sweetheart. We will rise again. And that was a very touching tribute to those very brave defenders, essentially. Azovstal was Ukraine's Alamo. Kozak system with Azovstal. Before them, you heard Ethnogen, a fairly new um, group on the pop, folk pop uh, Ukrainian scene, musical scene. And that song was Krochervona. Zemnya Chorna, which translates as red blood, black soil. Coming up next, another fairly new artist on the Ukrainian musical scene by the name of Angie Kreda. Here she is with Vraja, which translates as enemies, and it is a song cursing Putin and his genocidal minions. Сію тобі в очі, сію проти ночі, буде тобі враже, так як відьма скаже, скільки сяту землю впало зерен жита, стільки разів буде тебе враже вбито, скільки враже півень вночі кукуріка, стільки днів у тебе доживати віка. Боже, ворогу, вороже, буде 
вже роду в домовині стане напів світу чорного пристріту. Буде тобі враже так, як відьма скаже. Писанку розпишу, люльку заколишу. Матір твою враже, без дітей залишу. Батька твого враже, смертю заспокою. Жінку твою враже, висушу ганьбою. Богові Боже, ворогу вороже. Буде тобі враже, так як відьма скаже. to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Mila Komarniski's novel, Wretched Land. Wretched Land tells the epic story of Dmitra and Christina Verbitsky as they live through the horrors of early 20th century Ukraine. Their love for the land and their family of ten children keeps them together through wars, famine, invasions, and collectivization. Readers will experience an unforgettable journey into the heart and soul of a land and people built on pain, passion, and hope for a better future. As the novel begins, it is 1907, and 20-year-old Mitra finds out that his impoverished aristocrat father has committed suicide. His father owned an estate in Horodne, in the Kharkiv province of eastern Ukraine. But he lost everything because of his gambling and drinking. 
Dmitra is forced to sell off all his assets and is left with nothing. The estate was not only a means of making a living, it was his pride and joy. What would become of him now? How would he survive such a disgrace? How could his father do this to him? Before this tragedy, he was in love with Christina, the daughter of a wealthy peasant. He still wants to marry her, but has nothing to offer. Her father rejects Dmitra's proposal, but Christina marries him against her father's wishes, and she is promptly disowned. The two young people start to make a life together. Dmitra finds work as the manager of the estate farm, and the young couple lives in the old gardener's cottage. They start a family with the birth of their daughter, Orha, just as World War I breaks out. In August 1914, the Tsarist government starts to recruit villagers to fight against their Austrian enemies. Both Dmitra and fellow villager Fedir Zakarkiu are sent to the battlefield. Fedir is badly wounded, bitter, and converted to communism. Dmitra has made contact with friends who are working on Ukraine's independence. He becomes a member of the Siege Riflemen. In his heart, Dmitra knew he was a true Ukrainian. Both men eventually return to their village. In the meantime, Kristina has struggled to keep her family alive as the Bolsheviks rampage through the village. She must leave her home and depend on the generosity of others. In the midst of the conflict, she is brutally raped by her former suitor, Pilip. Wretched Land takes the Verbitsky family saga through both world wars, the Holodomor, Stalin's collectivization, and post-Soviet life in Ukraine. It is a sweeping tale which illustrates the writer's love and appreciation for Ukrainian history. This is the writer's first novel, and at times the narrative tries to encompass too many aspects of Ukraine's history, while still dealing with the realities of life in the Verbitsky saga. Some of the ten Verbitsky's children become vibrant characters in the narrative, while others are mentioned sparingly. The two central characters, Dmitra and Christina, however, are shining examples of the strength and courage of ordinary Ukrainians in the face of indescribable horror and tragedy. They deal with the challenges they face with dignity, love, compassion, and resilience. Readers will learn a great deal about Ukrainian culture and history in Wretched Land. There are descriptions of Ukrainian traditions at Easter and Christmas, as well as details about animal husbandry, betrothal, and wedding ceremonies. Dmitrov finds himself embroiled in major historical events. He is a member of the Siege Riflemen and participates in the independence movement. Their children become part of the Ukrainian emigration to Canada. The poignant visit of their Ukrainian-Canadian relatives at the end of the novel foreshadows a possible sequel. While Wretched Land is not based on actual individuals, it does mirror the experience of the eastern Ukrainian population in the early years of the 20th century. It does not shy away from historical controversy. Christina never knows about Dmitra's participation in the independence movement. 
she admires Stalin and is thrilled to receive a gold star medal for being a mother of heroes for raising ten children. The couple even travels to Moscow to meet Stalin and receive the award. Christina could not suppress her excitement. She wanted to see Stalin, captivated by an upsurge of general unbridled admiration. She was now a great fan of his. Christina's resilience and courage in the face of incredible obstacles shows the strength of her character. She keeps going no matter what she faces. Rape, death, exile, hunger, invasion, and loneliness. It is a book which is not easy to read at times, but it will definitely live in the reader's imagination long after the last page. Mila Komarnitsky never meant to be a writer. She spent part of her childhood in eastern Ukraine. After moving to Canada, she earned a PhD in nutrition and metabolism from the University of Alberta and a doctor of veterinary medicine from the Kharkiv University. After retiring, Mila decided to improve her writing skills by taking a novel writing course at the Wing Hill Writing School in Ontario. Wretched Land is her first novel, which won the Anna Pidruchny Award for New Writers. She lives in Edmonton and is working on a sequel to Wretched Land. Wretched Land is available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
from a vinyl recording back in the 80s, uh, a group from Edmonton called Dumka, and a song called Oi Upoli Ruta Ruta, a Red Rue in the Field. Toi narod, što svoju državu maje, nikole peredčužeme holove nezhenaje. And our proverb of the week translates as, A nation that has its own state does not have to bow to anyone. You've been listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo every Wednesday from 11 a.m. till 12 noon. In between broadcasts, please stay in touch with us via our Facebook page. For transcripts, audio archives, and a link to our podcast, visit our website, www.nasholos.com. I'm Pavlina on behalf of Oksana, myself, and all of us here at Nasholos and CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. Thanks for listening. Dozu srichi.
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.